magic numbers 12 today, 12 times champion trainer, and 12 editions now of the Pendle Novices Chase at Kempton yesterday, uh, Paul Nichols. A race that's been very good to you. In dark times, it has come to your rescue. <laughs> dark times, yeah. That's quite laughable, really, isn't it? Um, yeah, it was, it's good. Yeah, he's a good horse. He was perfect for that race. And you know, to win it 12 times, I was looking at the horses yesterday. It was incredible, really. And, you know, a lot of those horses went on and did some special things afterwards. So I'm hoping Pictoria will follow them. He's quite a sort of explosive horse, isn't he? He's, he's fun to watch when he gets it right. Yeah, I mean, yesterday was probably the best he's jumped, and when he needed a big one at the last, um, he delivered and um, quickened and did, and did that very nicely. Uh, Harry Cobden, I thought, gave him a very assured ride, drilled him into the last with someone yeah. who's, who's riding with enough confidence, considering. Yeah, he is. I mean, he's riding very well at the moment, and... Um, you know, considering we've just been a little bit quiet, you know, he's running the top of his game. You know, this one jump at the last is a, you needed that to go and win, and the horse delivered and galloped on strong. So, you wouldn't, I'm not sure he'd done this 12 months ago. He'd probably still been rolling, but he's got the hang of it now. Look at that, Whoa. what a wing. So, that was good. It's just amazing the importance of a flat track for that horse rather than a stiff track like Sandown the last day. Much better for him. So, that suggests that. Places like Cheltenham are never really going to be in it. No, he's not going to go to Cheltenham. We go to Aintree now. Um, I wish I hadn't run him at Sandown now after the other day, but um, you know this was always our target, and then go on to Aintree. That's that's where we'll go now. You know, he's a high-class horse when he gets it right, obviously. I I joked really when I said he was a, a ray of light in the mm. in the dark times, and you said it's laughable, really. Uh, the problem is when you set yourself incredibly high standards, and people expect you to be winning mm. metronomically. Can you understand why everyone goes, what's happened to Nichols yeah. if you have a run of bad form? Yeah, I do. And we're always a little bit quieter after Christmas. Um, this year more so than normal. And um, yeah, some horses have been disappointing. We obviously had a little bit of a problem, which we haven't really identified. I just got a feeling that for whatever reason this year, some of them took a little bit longer to get over having their flu jab, which we always do in January. Yeah. It's never been a problem before. And we did find a little bit of a mineral imbalance in the feed, which we've sorted, but only minor. Nothing's ever been ill or sick or had dodgy track washes or anything like that. So, and again, a bit of better spring weather, better ground. We're, you know, we're up and running again now. And I think three of the last seven or one or something like that. And you know, we're, we're going forward. And um, you know, I looked this morning. I was just thinking because you keep reading all this stuff and listening to it. We're actually nearly on two million pound prize money before Cheltenham. Well, I think pretty well every time. Yeah, we've done that. We've had a great season. So, yeah, collectively over a long time, it's good, and we'll get up and running really strongly from now to the end of the season. We just had a little blip. And I, I guess if you've been doing it that long, you have the self-belief to know that you don't really need to, to change anything or do doubts start to creep in a little bit? No, you don't change anything. You just try and make sure that everything is right, i.e. we checked all the food and we just had a look at a few different things to, to see if we did have a problem because you, 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 you want to. We don't change anything because the, the system we've mm. got has worked. And... Um, it's just one of those things, and I mean, from time to time, every career you're always going to. We've been there before, and we'll be there again. You just get that quiet spell. Then you run a number of horses you probably haven't run up to Christmas. You know they're not quite good enough, and expectations are too high, and some of the game beat. And um, it's just where it is. But you know, we're back far now. And if the good ones keep winning, that's all that matters, really. 109 winners at 23%. Yeah. If I'd said to you at the beginning of the season, yeah. right, we'll be sitting here in February, 109 winners, 23%. Would you have said, yeah, that's that's pretty much par. Yeah, and as I said, two million, very nearly two million in prize mm. money up to now. So yeah, that's good. I mean, that's that's if we stuck to that all the time, we'd be well happy. We had been going up to Christmas about twenty nine percent. I think we probably uh, was a little bit too high, and then of course it drops off. But you know, if you look at everyone else's statistics in the paper, I'd say we're very happy and very pleased with where we are, and we'll just get going now. 
All right, so you know what prize money level you're at. How important is prize money to you and to your owners, do you think? To what extent does it drive their interest in the game and how big a deal actually is it? Well, I think it's more important to me is if, you, if you're trying to win the Trainers' Championship, you know, which is, you know, at this stage of the season you're looking at trying to do. Obviously, competitive, we want to defend that. Every, every pound counts, really. And there is some good prize money out there. Obviously, it was good prize money yesterday, a lot of good prize money races. And to me... Sometimes that prize money thing gets overplayed a little bit because I'd say the majority of my owners are in the game because they enjoy it. It's a fantastic game. It's their hobby. It's their life away from their businesses, and they really enjoy it. And if they can win some good prize money, obviously all helps. But they don't go out paying lots of money for horses just because they want to go and win pots of money. They do it because they really enjoy the game, the people that are in it, as I said, the horses and the, and the sport. So it's an important thing, but it can often be overplayed a little bit, I think. I mean, to what extent are you very conscious of the fact that you have to give owners experience as well as winners? The whole package. You know, they want to, you know, so it's not just about race day. You know, they, they like to see videos and clips of horses schooling, rep updates and communication and let them know what's going on and I think I like to think they all feel part of Team Ditchett, the whole experience really um, and um, and look after them. So this year you, you started out thought you had a, a really exciting mm. collection of, of horses to mm. go forward with. At this at this stage of the season do you still believe you've got the talent to compete against the, the best Irish stables? Well that's obviously going to be hard if you just look at the, the horses that they've got at the moment but you know, there are horses coming through and will always be evolving horses. Um, let's look at Brave Man's Game and Stage Star. They're two examples of two really good young horses that are coming through. And, and then the Frodon was still winning this year and Clanders mm. of You know, they are getting a bit older now, so we need to look at the next generation. But they're, they're all capable of competing, as, as Frodon and Clan did in the last 12 months in, in those grade one races in Ireland. And Brave Man's Game, you know, he was well beaten at the Cheltenham Festival last year. Do you believe that is in any way a fair reflection of his natural ability level? No, because, you know, horses mature. He was a great big scopey chasing horse who probably was a bit immature last year. He's physically improved. He will do so again uh, this summer. You know, it's not all about them being novice hurdlers when they're five years old. Mm. It's about the future and being, to me, at the top of the game when they're eight, nine, ten, running in King George's and Gold Cups. That's when you want them at their best. And cool. But when you when you took him to, to, to Cheltenham last yeah. year, this horse Brave Man's game, and he, he was brushed aside mm. by, by Bollinger, I remember to, you were disconsolate because yeah, you were like, hang on, this is this is one of my best horses. Yeah. I thought I had him absolutely spot on, and something's just gone by him like he's yeah. like he's standing still. Was well, that kind of just the heat of the moment? Well, I think, yeah, because if you're competitive, like if you just played any game and you got beat, you're disappointed because you, you're out there trying to win. And we, we had a great belief in him. You can see why. He's unbeaten this year. And yeah. what has he read? 164, which tells its own story. But he got beat last year. And, I mean, Bob Ollinger made him look fairly ordinary. I mean, he went past like Harry like he was stood still. And Harry couldn't believe what, what he saw happening. But, you know... Sometimes perhaps Bob, Bob Ollinger, we'll see, might not train on like Brave Man's Game is trained on. Mm. He might have been at his best and more mature last year than, you know, horses do mature at different times and can be at their best at different times. And we all sort of tend to think, I like to look at the longevity of horses. It can be Clandes and Frodon and all those old horses still winning at the top of their game when they're 10 and 11 years old, not just when they're five. So you have to train them accordingly. Don't you think that, that part of the skill of the, of the game is is revising your opinion if you think you were wrong in the first instance. So okay. you don't just take an entrenched view as soon as the race is over and stick to that yeah. view. You kind of reconsider it and think again. 
Absolutely, and then nothing set in stone. You you never stop learning about the horses. You've got to listen to everybody involved, the, from the Scott Marshall who rides them every day to Harry, and you, you have to keep listening. And you, yeah, of course, you've got to, you can't be stubborn and just think I know, and that's the way it's going to be. You've got to keep keep be prepared to change, have different views. Of course, you have. Yeah, because you've always got like a a little theory. It seems to me yeah. about about each horse. Sometimes it's not right, yeah. but there's always an idea with with, with a horse. Yeah, you always got to have a plan or always have in your mind, like for me, I may be wrong, but I've always felt for the last two years that next year's King George or this year's King George will be absolutely made for Brave Man's Game. That, is, that would be the most perfect scenario I could see for him. And we're going along that route as what I think. Um, I might be wrong, but that's, that's just I've always had that in my mind and a plan. I mean, we've talked about this a little bit before, but obviously everybody evolves and their operation evolves. You mm. evolve with your own sort of levels of, you know, happiness and confidence in your in your job. Have you got? Do you think people around you now who you'll, who will ch- who will challenge you? Do you encourage people to challenge you now? Yeah, well, Clifford and I are always talking. Um, you know, every night we still go around the horses together, and have a, every night that's probably one of the most important times between four and five o'clock. And we go around all of them, and we'll have a little chat, and he'll have his opinion, I'll have my opinion, and we might. Say so, well, Harris just said this to us, and you know you never stop talking about them, and you know you've got to listen to everything. But you, you've also got to have belief in what you do yourself and your team, and how you've always done things, and just keep following along. We just take in little, you know, loads of crumbs make a cake. I've always said that you've got to try and get it right. Yeah, and of course you're the one that has to take the cake out of the oven yeah. at the end of the day. So. Yeah, and and you know we make things wrong, be prepared to realise you've got it wrong and and, and change it. Um, can you can you think of anything you've got? got wrong lately particularly um no i mean yeah you always make mistakes you know you just got to learn from them and and go forward and um yeah you always like i wish i hadn't run pete dory now at sandown but we'd believed all week the ground was good um and had watered because it had been a dry spell then it rained and the ground ended up going more testing than we thought and in hindsight i look back and think well perhaps i should have run brave man's game now it was a two and a half mile grade one a lot of money and, and let Peck Dory go straight to um, to yesterday yeah. for the panel, but it, it didn't work like that. But I look back and think, well, perhaps I should have done that. But you can, you, there's no point looking back. You've got no. to look forward. And that's really what has characterised you completely. Yeah. You're on the front foot. You want to do it. You yeah. want to run. Your instinct yeah. is to run horses, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. That's what you want yeah. to do. You, you want don't want to sit there and, and not run. run. And run them in the right races. But you also got to, you know, you've got to look after all your owners, the horses, have a plan, and, and try and let it all fit in so it all suits everybody. So I want to tackle this this Cheltenham question because mm. it strikes me that you're kind of you're having a bit of an internal conflict at the moment um, with yourself over this. Like there's there's part of you that wants to be so competitive and wants to win every race there because it is the the, the meeting mm. the, the, the the whole national hunt spotlight is on. And there's a bit of you that thinks I don't want to go there and you know get my pants taken yeah. down. Uh, how are you reconciling those two things at the moment? It's, it's trying to get the balance right, isn't it? And and look at and run the right horses. Um, all those years ago, well, not all that long ago, when I had Denman, Big Works, Masterminded, Celestia, Halo, we had the strong team then, and you were competing in those top... And it, funny enough, the, the easiest races to win at the Cheltenham are the grade ones, when you've got the best horse. Because <laughs> if you do your job right, they win those races. When you're talking about handicappers in the smaller races, it's not quite so easy, because, you know, obviously 30 runners in a handicap, in theory, or 30 could win, whereas in a, in a handicap, mm-hmm. in a grade one, the best horse should win. So the grade ones are actually easy. So if you haven't got those grade one horses, uh, or like at a particular time, you're going to struggle a fraction because, if they, you know, this year I won't have a runner in the Gold Cup because I haven't got anything good enough or suitable to run. Like Clan and Frodon would not be good enough to run in this year's Gold Cup, and they don't doesn't suit them. We can go elsewhere with them. So you have to try and box clever a little bit. And of course, I'd love to have a runner in every race and try and win every race. But 
it, it's not happened. It, it just depends on the depth of your squad and what you've got. And at the moment, the, the strength in numbers and, and the top horses is in Ireland. But it'll change. Why is that? Well, there's lots of reasons. I mean, you could say the same 10 years ago when I had all those horses in Pratt's Nicky, we were doing really well. You could have said the same question, why is that? We just ended up buying, I think we probably had uh, the people to buy the right horses at the right time now at the moment. It, that's gone the other way in Ireland. They seem to have the buying power and, and seem to be buying most. I mean, nearly every sale now go to, an, in not all the time, but most of the time, like Gordon or Willie, it's particularly Gordon buys the top lot every single sale. So, you know, the best team of players is, well, at the moment is in Ireland. But so have you, but you've got owners with the resources to spend serious yeah. money if, yeah. they, if they need to spend yeah. the serious money. Is it, so, but somehow they're not, getting, they're not getting the right materials off the production line. Well, you know, we, 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 we're trying, obviously, and we bought some nice horses. Um, not all my owners like buying at the sales. They would rather buy privately, which makes things a little bit more difficult. Um, is that because those boutique auctions have become such a big yeah, deal? They've become yeah, so important. They have, um, but you know, we bought some. We've been getting back to mind some nice horses that come out over the next two or three years. And like Pictoras is a great example of a nice horse that we bought in France, who's come through and done very well. And we got plenty more. Um, but it's, it's also a numbers game. Don't have the numbers. Uh, you know, Willie and Gordon, and, and, and in particular those two. Uh, probably Henry has quite some. They seem to have huge numbers of horses in all those of those top horses. Huge numbers, not just one. They have a huge number of horses, so it's a, a numbers game as well, which mm-hmm. is a big advantage. As opposed to relying on one. Yeah, and I've got some you know guys that will spend plenty of money, but you've got to be selective, and it's got harder and harder to buy those horses. I was interested in sort of a, a sort of project that you're developing with with Will Biddick of yeah, producing yeah. these younger horses. Now, is that in a sense a response to the efficiency of the way that? Irish point-to-point producers are filtering their talent. I, if you've got a big bulk of stores that you're bringing on yourself, you've got a system underneath you whereby you can identify the real stars in, in, that, in that group early. Yeah, and it's, it's another way of, uh, of producing nice young horses and coming through. So the, last summer, we, I think we've got 23 that are now four-year-olds with Will. I tend to give them lots of time. None of those will run this year. They'll all run in the autumn and that's end up having a couple of three bumper runs next season and then novice hurdle when they're five. So you could end up horses like Stage, Star, McFabulous, Henry II, who's unbeaten this year, Nappers Hill, those type of horses are all coming on through. Then They get into your system and you've got a chance, of, you know, hopefully one day along that system will end up with also might be good enough to run in a gold cup mm-hmm. and be own produced, really. And we've been doing that now for a number of years and it's been paying off when we get some good results. And I can see your ex-assistant Dan Skelton doing something yeah. similar yeah. where he's trying to get into horses younger yeah. and start to source yeah. the talent earlier, yeah. sort of home grow it almost. But it's not so easy to buy those horses back along when we bought Cordo Star and Masterminded and Big Bucks and you know all those horses. There wasn't such a, 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 a there weren't so many people buying those horses. You could, they could have a few runs, you knew you were buying nice horses. Isn't, isn't the truth of it a little bit that at that time you also you had a bit of a monopoly on on wealth, like you had a well, bit of a monopoly I, I on the wealth. Basically, yeah. it was only John Hales and Clive Smith who bought those horses at that time. Yeah. But th- those horses then, and Andy there was Stewart, no one, I suppose, yeah, yeah, and Andy Stewart, there was no one else competing against you. You you know, they they put a price on them. I think most of those horses then cost four hundred thousand euros, which is basically what they're all costing now. They were probably the cheapest horses they ever bought. But there was no opposition to buy them really then. But there is now if one of those horses. Well, in fact, they never get to that point was because of Corta and Denman and sorry, not Denman, Mastermind and Neptune. They'd all three or four runs, so you knew they were fairly decent. They weren't just one run, and you had to take a gamble. They were good, and you were able to buy them 
and it, it, was, it was a lot easier then. But now, of course, everyone followed what we did, and they all go to France. So in France, it's nearly impossible to buy a horse like that. Yeah. So, you, so we thought, well, let, you know, instead of spending four hundred thousand pound every time on those horses, why not buy a hundred, hundred twenty thousand euro store? And if you buy some nice horses like that, develop our own system. And I enjoy doing it. It's a bit more time consuming, needs a lot of patience. And the owners have got to be on board that you're going to just take your time with them. But it, it seems to be working. Now, Henrietta Knight's in the, yeah. in the, in the green room. Have you had a yeah, chat with her? I've had morning? a chat with Henrietta. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Unfortunately, though, we are still labouring in this particular studio under COVID, uh, COVID health and safety regulations, which means that I'm not allowed to have more than one person uh, in the studio at any one time, which is unfortunate because I was rather hoping I could uh, get the two of you to debate her, her thoughts in the paper earlier in this week where she talked about the relative uh, levels of... Well, professionalism and ability and uh, you know, preparation of horses in, in, in Britain and Ireland and said that sort of Ireland really held sway in, in all respects. What was, your, what was your reaction to that? Well, I was surprised she said it, to be honest with you. And I'm just talking, I guess it's probably been taken a little bit out of context. I don't think she thought it was going to be on the front page of the Racing Post and make such a big thing of it. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about it all week. And... Um, you know, I disagree with it completely, and of course all my colleagues do as well, really, because you know we're a professional. We know what we're doing. We run the job properly, and you know to say that the trainers were better, the jockeys were better, the staff were better, that which all implied is probably I think it caught her on a silly moment, to be honest with you. And I'm just teasing her about that because she knows full well she spent a lot of time with us. She loves coming to us. We we do things properly. Everybody does things properly, but they're two totally different ways of always have been of life and where horses come along, you know. So we would treat our youngsters no different to what they do probably in Ireland, except they end up running in point to points. Um, yeah, we have a good team of people, everybody does. So, you know, I think probably she regrets, I bet if you ask her, she probably regrets it. Oh, it was I'm going, I'm going yeah, to in a minute. I'm saying she can't be in here yeah. with us now. Yeah. Um, you know, but, I mean, she's obviously been in the game for a long time and she, she knows full well that we do do the job properly. Of course we do. Uh, what do you think you do best at your yard? We're training winners, I hope. You know, that's that, the end of the day is what we, we've done, I think. Now we're pretty well trained 3,400 winners, so our record speaks for itself. And that's what you've got to do is it, year in, year in, keep producing winners. And that's what the game's all about. Yeah, but in terms of the actual mechanics of how the place operates, because I go into... 50, 60, 70 yards yeah. around the country. Everyone's a little bit different. Course, there's different yeah. fields, different atmosphere, the feed slightly different, yeah. the work slightly different, the regime slightly routine. Lots of different ways yeah. of getting horses fit and well and healthy. Lots of different ways of man managing. What, yeah. are, what, are the, what are the key strengths that have made you champion trainer for 12 times? Well, having years? a great team. I call it Team Ditcher. You have to have a great team around you. If you haven't got a good team headed up by like Clifford yeah. Baker, and then you think of the systems I've had at work for me. And I've got Harry now, who's about to move it. Dan Skelton, Harry Fry, all those different people that have been part of the team. Christian mm. Williams, mm. Um, Honeyball, you know, these sort of people. They've all been great trainers. They've been part of the team. And you use those to, to, to help your businesses. As I said, you're only as good as the players in your team. And you've got to have a good team around you. But they don't, just, they don't just drop down out of the sky by accident. You get no. those people because you find them. Yeah. You, you source and, them. There must be some the characteristics in them that you like as people. Otherwise, they either wouldn't stick around or you wouldn't find yeah. them in the first place or yeah. you wouldn't employ them. So what are you looking for in those people? Well, what these, do you like in people? Well, all those top people that are with me, apart from the assistants, move on training. My main team have been with me and, and stay there all the mm. time. You know, they're professional people who work hard um, and want the same goal as me. You don't mind how many, many hours they work. They want the horses to have the best of everything. 
and us to be a very successful team and make sure everything in that team is right. Is it, is it mindset as well? Are you looking for a certain kind of mindset? Because you're someone who's always pushing forward yeah. and always on the front foot. Yeah. Well, you want is that, them, yeah, that's fair. You, you want don't things, want people who are too cautious. No, you want you know people got to be positive, you know, and people um, there's no point in being negative about things. You got to be positive and work hard and have the same work ethic, I suppose, as Clifford and I. You know, Clifford, you know, he's an integral part of the team. As if he's head lad, who I'd leave, he gets on with his job and organises things. And like Harry Durham has been assistant, and Charlie Davis is now taken on from him. They're all people that work hard and put a lot into it, and. You know, one that want to do well at the end of the day and achieve achieve great things, really. Um, and when when we spoke last, you, you you I think you'd already kind of emerged from that period. You were talking there was that period where you were like it was all getting on top of you a bit. Are you completely shackle free now in that respect? Are you feeling totally? Yeah, I think you're always under pressure. You you know you always want to do better. You always trying to achieve things that can always even now. Uh, I, Cliff and I would always accuse him, what, is there anything we could do just to improve things a little bit or, and to get some better results or do whatever? Um, but pressure, you know, you have to deal with pressure all all the time. And, that's, and coping with pressure is, I think I've learned over the years, I'd like to think I've got better at doing that. And, um, it's, you know, there's a huge amount of pressure to run the business and keep being successful and dealing with like a sort of month like we've just had now and all those different things. And um, I, I used to let it worry me. As a, we've you know had the conversation mm. in the past, yeah. no, I don't know. Um, you know, not as much anyway. You know, you still, of course, you worry about it. That's wrong to say, but not as much. And you try to be more positive and 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 try and enjoy it a lot more. I mean, who do you who do you look to to kind of inspire you like that when you're thinking when you when you think to yourself, what would so and so do? Who would be who would be the person or the people that you would have looked to to think right? Put myself in their position. They they'd know the right thing to do here. Oh, that's a difficult one because I think you've got to follow your own what you, your own route, your own path, what you feel, and how I deal with it. And mm. you know that's the only way forward. Where you, you can't be thinking about what other people are doing and what they might have done. You've got to try and do the right thing yourself. And obviously, <clears throat> I think we got it fairly right um, over the years. And um, you learn from all those experiences you've had. You never do stop learning from day to day with the horses. You never stop learning and dealing with people and owners and things. But experience helps you work those things out because you've been there before. And, and we've had this sort of standing joke about. I know. I know. Mm. I know. You're, it's no laughing matter to you, the trainers' championship. Mm. But we have this, this sort of. There's been a standing joke over the years about the extent to which it yeah. it drives you. I mean, how overriding is it now? Well, it's not overriding. Um, I mean, yeah, of course, it's not, you know it's nice being champion trainer. Of course, it is, and you, you don't. It's like if a team wins a premiership in the championship, they want to do the same again mm. the next year. It doesn't always happen. But funny enough, it's, it's easier in a lot of ways to concentrate trying to win the trainers' championship than it is to have winners at Cheltenham nowadays. Gotcha. Because if I'm clever and box clever now, I need a good April because you know I'm. I think well, what I think I don't know whether three hundred and fifty or four thousand. 400,000 in front of Dan and Nicky. Well, that's one race at Cheltenham, if you think about it. Mm -hmm. So it's all to play for still now. But, um, you know, April April's a month when it, when it counts, when you try, you know, you, you try and win as many races as you can. So if we're going to win the Trainers' Championship this year, we've got to be clever and, and, yeah, try and win some races at Cheltenham, but also have plenty of ammunition to win those races in the last month of April. So are you already, are you already preparing the kind of second battalion, if you like, to but, kind of take over and sweep through that well, back end? Well, massive, so I've sort of... 
oh, look, you know, know full well that pretty well every race at Aintree we could have a runner in. And there's a Zare and then there's a Cheltenham and there's Sandown. We've got lots of horses that can run in all those races where we might not have quite some money to run at Cheltenham. And a lot of ways for me, if, if Gordon and Willie and all the other guys come over and beat Nicky and Dan all week, then I'll have a little <laughs> smile on my face. But, um, no, I, you know, at this point, I know for a while we're going to struggle to have Cheltenham winners. We all are. We, we're, we're all up against it. And, you know, we've got some nice horses to run. But, you know, for me, if we could just continue the season and end up winning the Trainers' Championship, championship it would be another fantastic season. Are you? How much are you really hanging your hopes on on Brave Man's game? I mean, how, in your mind, much more talented do you think he is than, say, you know, the, the vast majority of your of your yard? Is he really right at the top and well, way way in front of anything else in well, your mind? Well, I think he probably is in the in the novice chase at that three mile division. Mm. Obviously, yes, he is. He's rated high now, and he's he's done nothing wrong, and he, he's a bright hope for us, you know. But as you said, he got beat last year, and he could, could well get beat again this year because that's horse racing. But I think not just Cheltenham. There's a lot more to come from him from the future. He's definitely physically going to improve with another summer. And, you know, he's, just, he's a smart horse, and um, chasing was always going to bring out the best of him. Are there horses in there bubbling under that you think we're not giving enough attention to because they haven't had the same sort of... Well, Stage Star is obviously a very smart horse. I mean, he's followed the, virtually the same route as what Brave Man's Game did. He won the Challo. He's unbeaten over hurdles. Good bumper horse. And, you know, he's, he's progressive, and Harry was thrilled with him the last day he won, and who knows how good he might be. We'll know at Cheltenham. But he's another horse next year. Go chasing, he'll be... A, no, lovely horse. Now, you see, this was one that you umdenard about. Oh, do I go to Cheltenham? Don't mm. I go to Cheltenham? Is there something? Is there is there something in his progress since the Challo that's made you think this is the right thing to do? It's definitely improved since then, physically, and some of his work's been really good. We we, we were going to go to Exeter, I think it was last week, and we, then we were going to make a plan whether we went to Cheltenham, depending on how he ran, or whether we went to Aintree. Um, and um, obviously, by by not going to Exeter, we're, we're, you know, the obvious route is to go down. He'd probably go to Cheltenham and Aintree now. He hasn't had run since Christmas. He's definitely improving horse. Where are you going to run three under three five at the festival? He runs against Brave Man's Game in the Brown Advisory. Um, the owners are dead. Keen, Max is dead keen to run in that and keep Adrian on him. So that's where he's going. He, you know, he's a no back number. He's tough and he keeps on finding. Probably not as flashy a horse as Brave Man's Game, but you know, he keeps on winning. I'm sort of sensing you said that with a little bit of a heavy heart. Would you? Was there a bit of you that would like to split them up? Yeah, of course you. I think you wouldn't. You know, if I was given a free hand, I'd probably run him in the um, staying novice chase. You know, for the amateur riders, <clears throat> and I know Will Biddick would love to ride him, but you know, I get the point. Also, the owners want to run him in the, in that with Adrian on him, so there's no point all falling out and arguing about it. That's where he's going to go. Of course, last year all those amateur races were were professionally yeah. ridden. You have been a great supporter of the amateur branch of yeah. the sport. Your, your daughter Megan rode in point to points. Mm. Your daughter Olive's currently running in point mm. to points. You've been a great um, your friend and supporter mm. of David Maxwell, as mm. he has as he has to you. Is that a side of the sport you feel, still feel quite passionately about? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, it's great. You said Megan started. Olive's now riding, and we've got some good amateurs in the yard. And David Maxwell, you know, he's a proper amateur, isn't he? He loves it, and he's got some nice. And he's actually got two nice chances at Cheltenham for us. And Cat Tiger and the Kim Muir, who won at Ascot the other day, and Bob and Co got a nice run last week at Haydock in the Fox Hunters. So, yeah, he's looking forward to it. And you know, he deserves all the success he gets because he puts a lot of money into it. He sees it as a great game, and you know, he's a proper amateur. It's quite interesting because you're such a, a hardened professional and you're desperate for winners. You know, here's a guy who, through sheer determination and hard work, has, has ridden at a lot of winners. But by his own admission, Dave would say you know, he's, not, he's not the world's most talented jockey. 
you seem to be four square behind him all the time. And it doesn't frustrate you that sometimes he may have lost races that he ought to have won or whatever. Yeah, you might just think that for a minute, but at the end of the day, realise that he pays the bills, that there is horses, and you can hardly have an argument with him about it. And, he, you know, he's the first to admit, he, he, if he's done something wrong, he's the first to admit it. Um, but, you know, just the pleasure he got from Cat Tiger winning at Ascot that day. You just, got a big kick out of that. Yeah, that you? was good for him and for the horse, and probably should have won at Doncaster the time before. He, 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 he'll admit that. But that's why, why he's an amateur, why he loves the game. And um, for him to win that day, um, Ascot was good, and... You know, he's 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 a, he's a he's a very good man. He's a nice man. Everybody likes him, and you can't. You know, yeah, he gets plenty of abuse when things go wrong. But I get plenty of abuse when things go wrong. You just turn a blind to it and go forward. Yeah, which could be a, a sort of motif, really, for 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 your career. Mm. Um, you're off to Fontmore this afternoon. Yeah. yeah. You still enjoy going racing? Yeah, I do. I mean, I don't go all the time, obviously, because I actually still enjoy working at home. And as I said earlier, going around the yard with Clifford and trying to work things out, but. Yeah, weekends, good meetings, I love going. Um, Mon Miral's quite an important horse this afternoon as yeah. well. Yeah, he's, it's really his first run of the season um, in a lot of ways. He ran it in the fight in fifth, and initially I was very disappointed with the way he ran, and Sean said he was never going, but somehow at an early stage in the race he got struck into, ended up at the vets for the next month, really, and he was very lucky that he never had a career-ending injury. He's 100% now. He's just playing a bit of catch-up now. So today the idea is a run here and then intentionally go on to Aintree for, for the two-and-a-half-mile grade one hurdle race before he goes chasing. Is it, do you, did you really feel this season, if he hadn't turned into a champion hurdle horse, which he hasn't, it's kind of marking time, really. Yeah. You're just waiting for next year. Yeah, he'll go chasing in October. And in a lot of ways, by him having had a break, and, and not, you, know, you don't want any horse to have a, a small injury, but I haven't been chasing around running in Christmas hurdles and different things like that. He's had a, a, almost had an easier season, and he did a super piece of work last Sunday morning at Wincanton with Stage Star. So yeah, he, he, he's ready to run, but he will improve. he's bound to improve fitness-wise because it's his first run of the season. And are there any secret weapons lurking in there we haven't seen yet? No, I don't think so. I thought I ran a really nice horse yesterday, Pleasant Man at Kempton. I was hoping he'd run well in the Adonis, but he, he, he sadly bled. He jumped the third last, and he, he was never going. So he, he's probably a typical big, strong horse who you know, wants a summer and he'll be all right next autumn. Okay. We thought he's a nice horse, and he's, he still will be a very nice horse, just wants some time. And, and how are you still restocking a lot from France? Is that still a... Um, we, uh, we bought a nice horse last week that went out there, and actually we bought a couple of Irish point-to-pointers recently in... in in, in Ireland and at the sales. So, we're, yeah, we're always restocking and soon we time to start looking for some nice new three-year-olds for the summer. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti at Cruel, Dubai.